Hi, I'm Brian Fisher of the TWIP Glamour Show on the TWIP Network. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. Hey folks, coming up this November 27th through December 10th, I'll be taking a small group of 6 to 11 people on an exclusive 14-day photography adventure through the wonderful country of Vietnam in Southeast Asia. This trip will have a strong emphasis on the Vietnamese culture and will be photographing all the way. Oh, and as a bonus, you can help me celebrate my birthday, which is November 28th, in Hanoi. Get the full details and sign up at twip.pro slash Vietnam 2016. That's twip.pro slash Vietnam 2016. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Doug K's Cuba Photo Workshops. Visit Cuba before it changes forever. Just go to dougk.com slash workshops and use the code TWIP100 for $100 off the workshop fees. This is TWIP, episode 480. Did Steve Jobs change photography? Steve Jobs, you know the guy who co-founded Apple with Steve Wozniak, is about to be inducted into the International Photography Hall of Fame and Museum. In this episode, I discuss his posthumous induction and discuss is it warranted. Also, Smug Mug rescues stranded Picture Life customers, sparking a discussion around backup and cloud-based photo storage services. And lastly, the Federal Aviation Association in the U.S. has finally ruled definitively that commercial drone use is legal. And they provided a few simple steps for would-be commercial drone pilots to follow. It's Monday, August 29th, 2016, and this is TWIP. All right, guys, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. A couple of interesting stories to discuss and review this week. And to do that, I'm joined by Mr. Jose Rosado of the Angry Millennial Show, and Mr. Brian Capricci of Twip Weddings and the Sprouting Photographer. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's going on? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's been a while since you've been on. You've I done know what? it's been a while. Twip Weddings, you Twip Weddings, you guys have done, what, about 300 episodes since well, the yeah. last time you've been <laughs> yeah, on? Yeah, 300. Yeah, we're, we're doing really well. We're, we're having a blast over there. We're on episode 50 or somewhere close to 50 right now at the time of recording you guys are crushing it yeah, you guys yeah. are crushing it you guys are now you you are like a staple in the wedding photography industry yes for some yes reason. yeah we're having more and more photographers that are just coming over and checking us out and hanging out with us and right now is busy season for wedding photographers too so uh the fact that they still have time to listen to a podcast is nice <laughs> yeah, lots of, yeah, lots they, of time behind listen, the computer i guess they listen while they're editing exactly, photos in lightroom yeah. or something exactly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what is what is wedding season? By the way, I mean, is that a like? Is there like a season where people propose <laughs> and then like a certain amount of time elapses and this is when they get married? Like, yeah. what's the season? Uh, well, I I think it's just based on climate, right? Like, depending on on where you're from, like where we're in, at in Canada, no one wants to get married when it's snowing outside. So, mm. you know, for for us, it's like May to end of October. And I think that mm-hmm. falls for, for sort of mo- most of North America anyways. There's some areas where there's weddings year-round, and there's always weddings year-round, but that's the busy time for sure. Got it. Got it. So it's climate-based. Yep. Well, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to the show, man. It's yeah, good to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks we for having me back. Lots to, 
lots to catch up on. I know you got a lot of stuff going, and you've been, oh yeah, you know, growing people over there and growing your business and <laughs> sprouting, you might say. <laughs> I just had like I just had like the Jolly Green Giant image in my head for some reason. <laughs> all right, all right. Also on the show, Mister Jose Rosado, Angry Millennial. Dude, are you angry today? You got red on. You looking? You know, is that the angry color? This is kind of like a, I don't even know, maybe like a salmon. <laughs> and to me, this okay, is bright, so man. I usually wear black, so this is to me is like a bright color. But uh, no, yeah. no, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty, pretty happy today. So yeah, you're good, good. So you're the, uh, you're the not so angry millennial today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Man. What's what's been going on with you? What's what's happening? Nothing much, man. Uh, I know since last time we were on. Speaking of shows, I mean, we just had our 100th episode go up uh, for the Angry Millennial mm. about two weeks ago. Congratulations. So we've, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. So it's kind of crazy. It's, it was in like probably like nine months, less than a year. So we were, we were humming along pretty pretty good. And, uh, and now I've been putting a lot of my attention towards um, some other stuff. So changing gears a bit. We're going to talk about that later in the show, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, well, let's dive into the show, guys. This first story I want to talk about is Steve Jobs being inducted into the Photography Hall of Fame. So I'll just read this blurb here real quick, um, and then I have, a, I have a particular tangent about this I want to ask you guys about. <laughs> uh, so, when do you so not the, have a tangent? I, you know, I got, I got opinions. I don't know. Uh, so this blurb that Bruce put in here, this comes to us from Mac Rumors. And it's the International Photography Hall of Fame and Museum in celebration of its 50th anniversary has announced that Steve Jobs will posthumously be inducted into its Hall of Fame in St. Louis, Missouri, which recognizes the art or the work of pioneers, artists and innovators who have pushed photography forward. Some of the folks that are in there um, or that are being inducted in, which is going to happen on October 28th will be Photoshop co-creators John and Thomas Knoll. Hey, guys, I know them. Hmm. Um, documentary filmmaker Ken Burns. Uh, photographers oh. Ernst Haas, or Haas and Andy Leibovitz is going to be inducted. Singer-songwriter Graham Nash and documentary photographer, let's see if I can get this first name right, hmm. Sebastio, Sebastio hmm. Salgado. Salgado, I think I got that right. So they're all getting inducted. Steve Jobs is getting inducted. And of this crew, I think he, and I don't know, this is what I wanted to talk about. So looking at these other, the other folks on the list, we have musicians, we have you know, other people that have done really, they're artists. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that Steve was not an artist. He was undoubtedly a visionary and undoubtedly changed the world and continues to change the world by virtue of the machine I'm talking to on, <laughs> talking to you on right now and my phone and my other computer and my Apple TV and all this stuff floating around. He changes the world and continues to change the world uh, posthumously. But well, he wasn't an artist per se. He wasn't creating artwork. Or was he? Was the, was, was the fact that he was pushing these things and these technologies like the iPhone forward, which is what he's being honored for here, mm-hmm. um, is that in and of itself art? I don't know. Brian, what, what do you think? I mean, I guess, I guess art's a pretty loose term to define, right? Like how do you, how do you really put um, 
how, how do you how do you put a box around that? I think it's kind of difficult. Yeah. I guess you know my perspective on it is: Did he have an influence on photography as a medium? I would mm-hmm. say without question, he had he had influence on that. Like his work had a huge influence on that. Mm-hmm. Would I say that his work had influence on professional but photography? That's thing. His, but that's the thing: his work, though, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Steve, but right. there was a giant team of people that created the iPhone from the design to the mechanics of it to the software to all yeah, that but stuff you have, that went but, into it. But so it was, he signed the check, though, right? Right. It was, it was through his visioning and his leadership, and, and he's, always been, he's always been the face of it, right? He's always taken yep. the credit in terms of being the innovator. I mean, I think that's the, the case for, ever, for anyone that, that's ever recognized for something amazing it's typically never just one person right it's backed by a team but certainly it's led by him but i think that i think the medium has certainly been influenced by him but in terms of uh influencing photography the art form or the creative aspect of photography i i don't know if i would i don't know if i agree that he that he has had a significant impact on that like if you look at our industry has he had an impact not really has he had an impact on improving the art of photography no, he. In my opinion, no. He made it more accessible. He made it that, easier. Well, that that in and of itself makes it more accessible because more people that right. may not have had the opportunity to right. find out if they were a photographer totally. or not could have. Totally right? full credit. So, well, I I think it's a pretty far stretch to think that someone started on an iPhone and then became a photographer. Do you think that's really the case? Maybe, maybe. Uh, I mean, but but I mean, even today, and Jose, I definitely got to have you chime in on this because even today, people may have been. I mean, you may start and end on an iPhone. I mean, there's mm-hmm. careers. People are shooting yeah. ad campaigns with That's the true. iPhone. Mm-hmm. Weddings, so you can't, you can't say even, that you know. weddings on the iPhone, right? You can't. And who knows what this next iPhone is going to be? And mm. these other phones that the iPhone triggered, like the Samsung Galaxy 7, that new thing that I'm lusting after the features that that thing has, <laughs> you know, would, would that be here had it not been for the iPhone? So, or would yeah, it, would I, it, I, I guess know, that's, that's the thing. Like, I guess call, call me maybe more traditional and more of a purist of photography. I, mm-hmm. I don't like just personally, I don't look at that as necessarily in and of itself advancing the art form of photography. Certainly there's mm-hmm. some great photographers that make some great work through it, but I think the medium of the iPhone itself in and of itself, it made th- photography more accessible, but I don't think that it necessarily in and of itself had a positive impact on the art of photography, but certainly, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear Jose's opinion on that too. Jose, Jose, what do you think? I mean, you know, you could just look at Flickr, mm-hmm. and Flickr will tell you that the iPhone has had an, had an impact on photography because it's still the number one camera yeah. on there. Whether or not you you consider the work there pro or you know real photography or right. not, there's a lot of good shots on there. It's yeah. a, it's yeah, amazing, yeah. and the number one camera is iPhone. What do you think about that? I think. I agree with Brian to a point where he says, you know, there is a distinction to be made, right? So you have, mm-hmm. to me, you have the art of photography, which I personally think anyone who owns a camera and likes taking pictures is a photographer. That's my personal take, right? Now, mm-hmm. are you a professional working photographer? No, not not quite, right? So there is a distinction between the art of photography and being a professional. Now, Mm-hmm. It, like he said, did it, did it come out with something that really revolutionized our workflow as professionals? No, but mm-hmm. if you're talking about impact on a, on a global scale, on a very, like you said, a visionary scale, yeah. I mean, you look at people in, in third world countries now that have a smartphone and have a camera. 
and have Instagram accounts yeah. and can can share yeah. and you that's know, the thing. that kind of thing. Look, so. at, look at Instagram, Jose. Mm-hmm. Look at look at Instagram. Would Instagram was born of mobile phone photography, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. multi-billion dollar companies, and Instagram is just one of them, multi-billion dollar companies came about and because of because of these devices, mm-hmm. they there there are these giant industries that are here now. So okay, okay, that's but so, an impact. Okay, I, I, I want to I want to ask a counter a counterpoint to this because again, and this is I can feel I can feel the fire in the purest of me burning up just just because because I want to get into this. So would you say Instagram is a social media platform and 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 it yes. was never necessarily designed for professionals. It was designed for people to share photos. Um, and certainly everyone takes pictures, right? I completely agree with that. But would you say that the invention of Twitter made everyone authors? As, 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 well, sorry, 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 let me clarify, as, as the art form and creativity of a writer. I would not no, necessarily say that's not. the case. So why do we think that that's the case of Instagram and photography? I'm just playing devil's advocate because I do think that it Good. made it more accessible, but I don't think that it was made to influence the art form of photography. Certainly it's done things for that, but yeah. I don't think that... Just because you post on Instagram doesn't mean you're a photographer. But but using that Instagram, Twitter sort of example, what Twitter did for blogging and you know I wouldn't say you know creative writing or any of that, but right. if you if news you reporting. if you look at the impact that Twitter has had on news news gathering yep. and reporting, sure. yeah, it sure. completely changed the game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, completely changed the game. Right, Absolutely. so it had an impact on there. I don't know if the impact of Instagram is analogous to Twitter, but. Instagram photography has certainly changed the way a lot of photographers uh, totally. and people that that ordinarily wouldn't have considered putting a shot up there and throwing a filter on there and saying, wow, look at what I did. You know, it's exposing people that would ordinarily not have been exposed to this are now exposed. And maybe some a percentage of those people may say, well, if I could do this with my phone, what if I go get a real camera, right. you know, and then they they take it forward. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way to quantify that. But, you know, and I'm to just be guessing. fair, there are people, like we said, who who literally make a living off Instagram. Yep. Like mm-hmm. as as a photographer, right? So they'll they'll take yep. pictures with their phone, have a brand and a platform within that, you know, social media platform, right? And and literally yeah. make a living. So you know, one would argue we could sit here and say, Well, that's not true as a purist, and you're right, mm. but that's just a merely a distinction. You can't totally, argue yeah, the fact totally. that that now exists. Yeah. I, I think I think what what I see is the the lines are blurred between photographer and Sort of, you know, like, like, um, you know, back in the day, it was you'd have YouTube stars and people would become famous on YouTube by mm-hmm. doing things, and you mm-hmm. could say the same thing. And I'm sure the 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 video production industry was having the same conversations back then, right? Saying, well, they're not video production artists, and it's like, well, yeah, but they're making money from making yeah. videos. Making I don't know millions. what else yeah. you yeah. want to call it. So certainly, I mean, the lines are blurred, and I think maybe for that reason, he, you know, Steve Jobs deserves recognition as as the head of of who's led up a a big change, a big shift in that industry. Perhaps. Yeah. You know, having having read stories about the inception of the iPhone and how I don't remember the guy's name, which is a problem, right? <laughs> that presented the idea to Steve, who then signed off on it and all that. You know, I'm just wondering, do you get credit? Should you get credit for signing off and funding an idea and authorizing a group to build something awesome? Or or do you get credit and inducted into the Inter- International Photography Hall of Fame and Museum for writing code like Thomas and John Knoll with Photoshop 
wrote code. You know, they were in there writing code and and living in the matrix for years on end to make stuff that every single person that has anything to do with graphics touches and knows about today. And Photoshop's, you know, is used in our daily lexicon, so is iPhone, but these guys I feel like they touch the code. And I'm not like I want to I want to wrap this whole thing and I'm not diminishing Steve Jobs, mm. you know, a contribution to you know, this galaxy, but at the same time I'm wondering is this you know this is this induction correct for for someone who authorizes the production of something awesome versus actually hammering nails and sawing wood you know yeah uh, i don't know i mean i, th- I think the, the buck's got to stop somewhere right and i mean certainly you, i'm i'm sure that there's there's some pr play in all this and and how everything has gone you got to yeah. kind of have things funneled into one into something in order to make a point um but but i guess you know and, and maybe i've got a bit of a skewed perspective i'm the CEO and the founder of Sprout Studio, yet I haven't written a line of code, yet would I, would I take the credit if Sprout Studio got recognition? I'm, I probably would because I led the team. They're my ideas. I've visioned the whole thing from the get-go. Did I actually build the thing? No. Did I have input on building the thing? Yes. So does that yeah. make me any less credible than those that actually built it? I, I don't know. Well, flip the flip the switch. Yeah. What if what if Frederick gets nominated for some sort of award that recognizes outs, an outstanding network of amazing photography podcasts? Right. I had the idea and I pulled it together. Right. But I'm you know. But if you are not mentioned in there, you're part of the network. If you are Valerie or Doug or whomever is not mentioned, that would make, wouldn't that feel weird though? If I'm just like, I'm taking all the credit for doing this, all this stuff by myself when really it is a collective effort from a lot of smart people. Well, I guess in your thank you, in your thank you speech, I would just hope that you mention us. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd be like, Hey, I did it all by myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? it's, it's like you said, it's like, it's like any professional athlete, right? The guy yeah. hits the home run that won yeah. the game everyone's touting him because he's the most front-facing exactly. person but if he's <laughs> yes. worth his salt he'll say hey listen guys it wasn't just me it was a team effort right and that's yep. the same yeah, thing yeah. you need someone to be front-facing and for a lot of those people and i think brian kind of alluded to it is they can write code but they can write code for anything mm. he's the one that told them yeah, i want you to write yeah. code to build x and yep. people can say oh well steve isn't the one who you know build it or the one who tested it or the one, you know, all the guys who literally are very integral to the process. And you would say, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. But he's the one that literally gave him a direction and a, and a, and a focus. And beyond mm-hmm. that, he kept yeah. writing the ship, you know? And, and like you said, it's just merely signing yeah. off on something is a lot bigger than we think. Again, going back to sports, right? You sit there and say, mm-hmm. if, um, if a coach makes a controversial call and it goes sideways, he's an idiot. But if he makes a controversial call and it works out, he's a genius, right? Yeah. So you know. Yeah, I think I think I'd feel better about this. Um, and I, you know, I'm I'm happy he's in there. That's fine. I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna boycott, you know, the the IPHFM because of this. But I think if Apple or even you know the digital imaging team or whatever at Apple were inducted versus just one person, I think that I, I'd probably feel better about right. that. And secondly, if Steve was inducted into some international marketing hall of fame you mm-hmm. know people that that spearheaded innovative marketing and turned around these near-death companies and did all that stuff that seems more apropos for someone like steve versus being in the the it's like a i don't know it's like an honorary stanford 
you know, degree or something. It's like, you know, <laughs> I didn't really go there, but I'll take right. it. You right. know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. It's cool stuff. I mean, but it's good. It's good that it's uh, that um, he's in there and that they're shining a light on all this stuff. There's a lot of we'll link to this article that was over on Mac Rumors in the blog post for this. There's a there's a ton of interesting people that have been inducted mm-hmm. in, in there for lots of good reasons. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a cloud based photo storage site that shut down and how SmugMug step, stepped up to help out the stranded customers. Hey, folks, just a quick heads up. There are still a few spots left on my Vietnam North to South adventure. Just as a recap, this November 27th through December 10th, I'm taking a small group of 6 to 11 people on an exclusive 14-day photography adventure through the wonderful country of Vietnam in Southeast Asia. The locations that we'll be visiting include Hanoi, Ha Long Bay, Hoi An, Saigon, also known as Ho Chi Minh City, and the Mekong Delta. We have some great activities planned, including photo walks, foodie walks, if you happen to like great food. We'll also visit some of Vietnam's most amazing markets and temples and much, much more. Also, we'll have dinner floating on Ha Long Bay and wake up to the most amazing view you've ever seen. And don't worry, there'll be plenty of free time for you to explore and discover each location at your own pace. And your fee covers just about everything, including all flights within the country, accommodations at conveniently located three and four star boutique hotels, most meals, local guides, air-conditioned vehicles, all entry fees for our group activities, and two internal flights. And the cost for this amazing 14-day, 13-night trip is just $3,899 for double occupancy. Or if you want your own room, just add $599 and you can have your own room with your own privacy. So come join me for the time of your life later this year in Vietnam and, of course, help me celebrate my birthday in the wonderful city of Hanoi. Get all the details and register now at twip.pro slash Vietnam 2016. That's twip.pro slash Vietnam 2016. All right, guys, we're back. Smug Mug has stepped in to rescue... Maybe rescue is not a a, a good word. Maybe it is uh, capitalize upon... No. (laughs) To rescue the images for former Picture Life customers. So there's a service called Picture Life, and Smug Mug swooped in and said, hey, you know, I guess their images were going to be trapped there, and Smug Mug swooped in, or at least the marketing says that Smug Mug swooped in and said, hey, we're going to save your your art, you know, so you can come over and be a Smug Mug customer and it's all good and all that. I, You know, on the surface, it's great. Kudos, Smug Mug, for helping these people out. On the back end, that's a database. Come on. You know, yeah. they wanted the database of customers over there. But, you know, so that... First, I want to have you guys comment on that. Then I have a second question that goes to that goes towards backing up your photos and reliance on these <laughs> cloud-based services. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Mr. Rosado, what do you think, man? I mean, first on the the smug mug helping and rescuing the former picture life people. I think that, what always makes me did laugh. Did you read that one? I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Right, where you sit there and say it looks great and it looks like a, a PR friendly move, but in reality, it's just you acquired someone. But you had, but you had the the platform to say, "Hey, look, we're going to kind of save you guys, and you know, whoever wants to come over, it can be a customer of ours, and we'll have your stuff." And that's nice. But you said it; it was literally a, a, an acquisition that just said, "Hey, look, we're going to we see this person who's down or a company, we're going to acquire them, and 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 like you said, acquire their database of of growth and customers, and that's it." And it makes you laugh because yeah, I didn't even think of it. Then. Yeah, 
I didn't think about it from that standpoint, from the acquisition standpoint. I just I, thought I don't about think it that's as what it was, though. I, I, yeah, I, I, I thought I about it be, as like they were they mistaken. went out of business. Yeah, they, I, I, the way I saw it, I'm a consumer. I have no insider knowledge, but I had the the, the impression that Picture Life was going to shut their doors, mm-hmm. and and Smug Mug went in and said, "Hey, you guys are shutting your doors. Let us provide a path of." you know, of least resistance for your customers so that they don't, you know, but at the same time, it's a win for Smug Mug because they get that database and all those customers who may ultimately convert into paying, paying customers. I don't know if I wouldn't, I wouldn't position it as an acquisition. I don't know. Brian, what, what do you think? Well, I, I don't think it was. I mean, and again, I haven't dug deep enough to say for sure, but I, I did read online that a company called Stream Nation is what, is who acquired Picture Life back in January mm-hmm. of 2015. Uh, mm-hmm. And as I understand, Stream Nation just, you know, more or less kind of drove them into the ground a little bit. So I don't think it was Smug Mug themselves that acquired them. I think it was mm-hmm. Smug Mug that kind of stepped up. Again, marketing, PR, like that's, it's certainly been spun nicely. Um, but the move that they, I guess, I guess marketing all that aside, the move they did was that they stood for what they believe in. And Smug Mug is, that's what they're all about. Memory preservation yeah. digitally, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. so I, th- I think, I think you know, certainly, yeah. I mean, does does it work out conveniently for them that all of a sudden all of these customers who no longer have this online photo storing service can now get them from this other online photo storing service? Oh, and by the way, mm-hmm. create a free account in the process. Convenient, mm-hmm. sure. Marketing, yes. Yeah. But did they step up and say, "Hey, come on in, get your images. You got your account free for fifteen days, so you can download your stuff and get out if you want to." They stepped up and they probably saved a lot of people, made a lot of people happy. So I think, yeah. I think, I guess I kind of, I kind of look at it from both perspectives because the marketer in me is like brilliant, like brilliant move. But mm-hmm. also, mm-hmm. I've got to imagine there's some kind of, there's some kind of deeper meaning here, at least for Smug Mug to say like we care enough because because they're doing it for free. You don't you don't pay for it. I mean, obviously, right? It's the service mm-hmm. is free to transfer mm-hmm. this. They care enough to take that risk for them to at least help people get their images back. There's yeah. some sort of goodwill there, I think, as much as it's yeah, no, smothered in a lot of marketing. I agree, and I don't think yeah. I don't think it, it, it. I don't want to paint it as nefarious. I think I think we get into the mindset of for for someone to win or benefit, there has to be a loser on the other side. Sure, yeah. You know, I think I think this could be a win win. Smug mug, smug mug gets a bigger database and all yep. these potential customers, yep. and at the same time, the customers get a place for their images to go. And smug mug's an awesome service, and it's an yep. advanced user interface and all that. So. You know, it's kind of a win-win situation. Yep. Even if Smug Mug is benefiting from it, from yep. people ultimately converting into paying customers. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, like you said, you know, they're, they're yeah. a business, it's, right? Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. It, it, it was like you said, it was a win-win on their end, right? Because it, it like you said, if it aligned with their ethos, great. And mm-hmm. if they were able to help some people, amazing. But we're all naive. We don't think that the next time Smug Mug has a meeting, they're not going to talk about the growth of X many percentage of people. And they're not going to also talk about yeah. the conversion rate of all those people to paid customers. Yep. And it, it was very yeah. calculated because it is a business, right? So, yep. yeah. and again, that's not to say, even if you sit there and say, Hey, I did it because of the business first, we got to remember that doesn't make them bad. That just makes them a business. You know what I mean? Like, no, totally. Yeah. That's, totally. Right. that's just good business. That's just yep. good business. So the other, the other part of this conversation is, putting all your eggs in one basket Ew. picture life yeah. people you know yeah. so so and these and these cloud services and is this playing devil's advocate as you guys know i tend to do from time to time because <laughs> um, your layer you have this... that, that layer of all that black furniture in the back <laughs> I know. Leather, I know. the black it's, leather this, chair this is the uh, the back surprise you're not petting uh, a cat 
Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. You haven't seen below the desk yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, is this is this jumping from the frying pan into the fire? You know, you're going from one cloud-based service service that closed the doors into another one. Not seeing smug mugs going away anytime soon, but right. nothing in life is forever. And if it is a case of that, should should picture life people learn their lesson and yeah, still migrate over to smug mug for sure, but also probably figure out another local sort of strategy to keep your right. your data safe. Brian, Brian, what do you, what do you think? I mean, is that is that is that plausible, or am I am I just being paranoid? Yeah, I mean, like I think anyone that trusts. And again, this is like the purest. I mean, I mean, I've got hard drives upon hard drives of backup. I'm, I'm a wedding photographer, so I've got like the most redundant of redundant backups imaginable. And so I, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine trusting it just to the cloud. And I think those that do trust it just to the cloud have seen things like this, and they end up getting bitten in the butt. I remember not long ago, similar kind of situation. Pictage shut down, and they kind of left their customers a little bit out, out sort of in the in the pouring rain with that one, and. You know, yeah, I mean, if I, I think it's a mistake if you're if you're a photographer and I would even say even if you're a photographer, I would say if you're if you're a consumer of the digital age today and you take pictures, which, you know, hint, hint, that's probably you slash every person that takes pictures. Um, we need to we need to start thinking a bit a bit, you know, better about the way that we that we preserve f- our photography. I, I, and, and I think for me, this actually comes down to a di- even a different conversation from cloud backups or from, uh, from, sorry, from like local backups. I think this means people need to start printing their damn pictures. Because if you printed your pictures and you had a cloud backup of them, there wouldn't be any issues. You know, like I've had hard drives go bad. I've had cloud backups go bad, but I still have a photo album, you know? Yeah, and, and I mean, there's right. pros and cons to everything, but I think this is just another example of people automating this workflow to get images onto onto zeros and ones and then they just forget about it and then all of a sudden something catastrophic happens whether it's a hard drive going down or a cloud service shutting down and they freak out and it's like well obviously you didn't care about them enough if they've been sitting on on a hard drive or on the cloud for two years and you haven't seen them so so yeah i i think it it i think every time something like this happens it it should shake people up to say what are you doing with your photography? And if you're not actually enjoying your photography in some way, why are you taking pictures in the first place? Yeah, you're just capturing. You're like you're 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 capturing picture Pokemon and putting them on your hard yeah, drive. Yeah, exactly. for, for later. Yeah, don't really mean anything, yeah. but they're there. I got them. Right. You know, <laughs> right? Just in case. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, you you hit it right on the head because then the other piece of it, and Jose, I want to hear about your workflow because mm-hmm. people. We, I don't know. I'll talk about me. I'm a notorious procrastinator when it comes to things like mm-hmm. this, right? And it's like, ah, uh, it's working fine. It's on the Drobo. I don't need to put it in the cloud. It's going to take too long to get it up there. You know, it'll, it'll never happen to me. And then, of course, this kind of stuff happens. And Brian, you said, yeah, print it. You know, print it. Printing is good, but that's still not fail safe either. Somebody nope. can break nope. in your house, steal all your stuff. Your house can yep. burn down. Totally. You know, flood, whatever. Nothing. There is no foolproof, one hundred percent way to nope. safeguard everything. People thought, what five years ago, ten years ago, that oh, just keep burning CDs. That'll mm. be the way, the way to save everything. Mm. Not so much, right, Jose? What What do you do? I mean, what's what's the correct way for to build a bulletproof strategy so that you can at least for the most part, safeguard against disaster. I mean, like you said, it, it's like the, the whole thing started out was all your eggs in one basket, right? And we can sit yeah. here and, and say all day long, well, uh, 
you know, it's easy, so I'm going to do X. Or this is the most convenient, so I'm just going to do that. And I, I think, you know, it comes to a certain point. Like, I learned the hard way when I was starting out that I was probably like my third year in. And I didn't have a, a very good system. And a, a bunch of drives crashed. And then I literally had to go to clients and say, hey, listen, that event I did that we can't redo and we can't just reshoot, I, I lost it. And and at that point, these were I was starting to make traction like in commercial work. And these were clients who were hitting me up to run an ad and pay me lots of money. And I lost that whole client. And it 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 like didn't destroy me, but I learned a really hard lesson. And you know, now I think of what I have now and even still I'm like, it could be better. But at the same time, I have a bunch of bases covered. You know, I have a, a, a cloud service base that covers all of my computer, my laptop, and all my external drives, right? And then I have uh, one drive that, or two drives that run Time Machine backups of my machines. And then I have, uh, you know, just drives that I actually just throw stuff on, right? And then on top of that, I have a network drive that just brings everything up, you know, itself. And that one's like a 12 terabyte drive, right? So in that, wow. in that yeah. sense, right, it's like they're all one of each of those things, right? A couple of them are local, a bunch of them are on a network, a couple on the cloud. And, you know, mm-hmm. and like you said, I know, like you said, I'm not going to be proactive sometimes. That's why I have Time Machine. You know, like, like, yeah. I but that, that whole thing that that's uh, like the whole I was like, as you were describing mm-hmm. that a, a flow chart was drawing in my head of like how all this stuff works. But then it looks good and it sounds good. But then you think about how much data we create, like Brian, you're creating a lot of data every time you go out and cre- you shoot a wedding. And there's only you only have so much bandwidth, whether it's at your office or your home for that yep. data to get synced up to the cloud before you even start to sh- before you go out to shoot another wedding. It's got to get up there and let alone our you know, layer in there. If you're doing video or audio production or any of that kind of stuff, then it just gets exponentially bigger. How do you get ahead of that? Like, how do you safeguard so that you're backed up? all the time when you're always on the treadmill of creating more data yeah it's it's funny i mean so so you know me as a wedding photographer and and a canadian wedding photographer at that we don't have the same uh i guess luxury of of you know unlimited bandwidth as you guys have unfortunately so we're we're limited so actually i don't do cloud backup at all in fact i don't know many canadian photographers that do uh cloud backup just because we have those sort of hard limits yeah yeah this is true right <laughs> and they don't have to lock their doors right. <laughs> that is at least a, until the election right. and all the right. americans come yeah. up there right yeah then you guys start coming up right <laughs> uh but yes yeah, so i i don't i don't do uh, i don't do cloud backups i i just have hard drive backups uh and i just i i keep a copy at the office keep a copy at home uh, there's always one copy in both places, so even if one place were to burn down, I've got a copy of everything in the other place, and it's actually really simple, and it works. It works for me for like a simple backup strategy. Yeah, I just wish I think I think the the solving again. I think we were all born too early because I think what will solve all this if we is if we have much 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 faster bandwidth than mm-hmm. we have right mm-hmm. now yeah right because the the limiting factor is that straw we have to suck all this yep. data through yep. and the bucket's getting bigger and bigger and the straw is not getting that much bigger fast enough right yep. so if we had a pipe where the data it was irrelevant like okay i want to copy you know this giant video project i'm working on to brian i can just drag and drop it to your hard drive and it's there like that then 
everything changes, yeah. you know, rather than, oh, Brian, I'm going to send you these files through Dropbox and they're going to be there tomorrow evening sometime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But you know, I I don't know. I, I guess I guess and again, this is this is the purest in me, but you know, I, as a wedding photographer, my clients get albums, right? And it's like yeah. that like yeah. I mean again, and it's not a print versus digital argument, but really it does come down to it that like if if you want if you want your images to sort of be enjoyed, and I guess that's that's the in, in my opinion the difference because digitally images are very much a come and go thing. They're a snapshot, they're here one moment, they're gone the next, right? And I yeah. think yeah. I think to, it, when things like this happen, it always just reminds me of like, hey, I've got this beautiful print behind me, and it's still there. I mean, yeah, if I had a fire in my house, the print would be gone. But that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a pretty dramatic event. So would my hard drives, yeah. right? So yeah. yeah, most people never never experience that kind of disaster. Right, but yeah. it just reminds me that like, hey, there's some beautiful images. I can see them every day. I don't have to be behind a screen. I don't have the distraction of email and Facebook and notifications and, and whatever in my way. It's pretty easy to look at i don't got to go search for it in a hard drive it's Mm -hmm. right there i enjoy it and it just reminds me that's that's a great testament to the to the value of printed photography and i think that things like this i god i've seen this it happened to my brother he had his computer uh go down and he forgot to back up blah 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 and i said you at least have some prints right he's like no i got nothing all i have is the copies i have on on instagram Mm. and i'm like really all you have is like the 900 pixel by 900 (laughs) pixel version you can screenshot from instagram are you kidding me and and that's just it just is a reminder to me that like we got to be smart about what we're doing like we all just like machine gun and and sort of rapid fire these photos and we're not thinking about what we're doing with them afterwards whether that means Mm -hmm. redundant backups or printing them or doing whatever we just got to start thinking about what we're doing that's all yeah, no, I think you're right. I love your I love your passion about this, Brian. The passion, oh passion, man, the passion it, the, the of the print, print stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Frederick, to your to your oh, point, yeah. I think what we got to do too. I think is the future, and like pe- weird pockets of the country are starting to do it. Is treat the internet like a municipality, like everything else, you know, like water and gas and all the stuff that you pay for. Because what I'm noticing is, because they're the two biggest players are all huge conglomerates, right? Like for profit companies. Whereas there's a place in like upstate New York that they treat it just like, again, like municipality and you pay the county and all that kind of stuff. And they're getting like, mm-hmm. I literally think it was one gigabyte down and up for, I'm not even sure, uh, 15 or $20 a month. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And here yeah, I am paying like, like why well, I cut the cord recently, but here I was paying almost $200 for TV, internet and phone. And I'm like, ew. You know, and yeah. and and yeah. so this huge company that doesn't give a crap about me, you know, and the horrible customer service, right? All this stuff, but but like you said, I think that is a limiting factor for sure. Um, to Brian's point, I, I mean, if you look around, like oh, I can't really show you guys, but I have some artwork <laughs> in my room, right? I have some prints from friends. I have um, actually this one you can see is a um, a mixed medium piece by an artist. Uh, that I met in Philly and now lives in uh, in in uh, Tennessee, but it mm-hmm. it's funny. I other than that, I don't print a lot, and and it's um it's I I wish I was better about it, you know, because I haven't I have a decent you know Canon printer, and yeah. the one thing I he was mentioning that I always do is when I go up the steps in our house, we have a family photo of me, Jess, and the kids, and we do it every year at my mom's house on the steps. And the one we have up there is, I think, now two years old. But every day I walk by it. And every day I'm like, I love that yeah, photo. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I yeah. can't say that for a cover photo of it on Facebook. 
you know, yeah, or even right, the background right. on my on my computer. It's no, it's like I walk by it every day. I leave my room, I walk down the hall, and I go, oh, there it is. And I go, that's, that's a nice shot of us. You know, it's like the yeah. kids weren't killing yeah. each other. Yeah. You know, we, we're all smiling. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, sweet, that yeah. one moment. So I, I get it. You know, it definitely has a nice, um, yeah. like you said. And the picture, the picture, like printed pictures, I think, are a lot like they have the romanticism mm-hmm. and the tactile feel of, of, um, of uh, getting a handwritten letter. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, no one does that anymore, which makes it magical again. So if you handwrite someone a letter and lick a stamp and put it on their mail to them, they're like, whoa, yeah. look at this. You know, and if you send your, your in-laws or whoever pictures of your kid, you know, that are printed old school style in a manila envelope and they pull out these prints, that's a magical moment versus them clicking on an email and it's like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Or a text message. Oh, yeah, cute. Yeah. Next message. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? No, my yeah, – Jess so. did that recently for my parents. Uh, she printed this photo we got of like the whole family together. This was like last summer. And she printed them up this summer and sent them to the house when we were going to be there. And I, like you said, I immediately was giving her a And I was like, really? You bucking for the top spot? You trying to be the best in-law? Like the best daughter-in-law? Because it was funny. Because yeah, our, my parents were like floored, you know? And like you said, what was it? She just went to White House Custom and just... It was like here, print yep. the, print a couple of different sizes and just send them to the house, and we're going to be there. And but like you said, yeah. since or that, you could even have them sent directly to them. No, that's you what just I mean. send it to your yeah, computer yeah. and like this print, send it there. Yeah. We just happen to be there, so we just want to be like, oh, what is this package yeah. that came in today? Um, but you know, it was it was profound, <laughs> yeah. like you said. You know, they were yeah. like, oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's real. It's magic. Brian Brian Caparici, you have sparked. A movement, I think. <laughs> I think photographers oh, hey, all over the know, planet listening to this are going to be like, yeah, I'm going to print and give someone a print next week. You know, the, you know? The, the funny thing about it, just as like a closing point, I mean, I, there's there's a lot of photographers that stand for this, and I'm certainly super happy to be, to be part of it, that are really standing behind the idea of print. But I think the thing that everyone – I don't think anyone says or doesn't say – Gosh, I wish I printed more. Like, like uh, Jose, you just said it. You're like, I love this, and I wish I printed more, mm-hmm. right? I think mm-hmm. like everyone I talk to, every bride and groom I talk to here in the studio, every family I talk to, they're like, honestly, we've just been delaying. We just don't print as much, or we've got a yeah. whole bunch of photos we've been meaning to go get them printed, and we just don't do it. And it's like, just do it because if you don't do it, you're not preserving your story for future generations to come it's, it's a shame and something like this happens and all of a sudden poof they're gone right because a bunch yeah. of zeros and ones are pretty easy to erase yeah it's get, like, get, like taking this 16 by 24 out the front door is a lot more difficult to, to get rid of you know yeah 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 it's like oh i can't do it yeah. Mike, i'm the youngest i'm the youngest in my family of five kids so i naturally was made the the uh, historian, digital, or archivist <laughs> you were the, of everyone's you were the, you were the genius bar guy in your family. Yeah, yeah, all that too. Yeah, yeah. For sure. But I have, I have, I have a closet that has boxes of photos in there that, and some slides and some eight mil film Dang. and all that stuff that needs to. Yeah, dude, it's serious. That it needs to get, it needs to get digital and then distributed out back out mm-hmm. to the family mm-hmm. because, like Brian, like you, to your point. I'm my nervousness is like up here now because that's a single single point of failure right mm-hmm. there in yep. those boxes. So they want to be released into the cloud, they want to be released to everyone else. But at the same time, I want to like take some of those slides and make prints from them and hang them on the wall. And you know they're trapped. It's like memories that are trapped in a box yeah. that are 
you know, becoming less and less relevant because, you know, people are forgetting about him. They're like, oh, yeah, who was that? That was Uncle So-and-so. Uh, yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. So you got you to gotta set him free. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but cool stuff. Cool. Well, kudos to Smug Mug for providing a a runway for the Picture Life customers. Thanks for doing that. And also kudos to the to the Smug Mug marketing department for pulling this off <laughs> like they did. So good stuff. All right, guys, let's move on to story number three. So story number three is about drones. So uh, as of this past Monday, as we record this, I believe it was, the FAA has finally finished their their federal rules in the United States, sorry, Brian, <laughs> around, <laughs> around drone flight. So basically, it is now legal to fly your drone for commercial purposes if you jump through a couple of hoops and basically... You know, you have to get an FAA certification as a remote pilot with a UAS rating uh, or unmanned aerial system rating of a, um, and that'll to get that rating, it costs you 150 bucks essentially to get that. And they say in the article that I read, essentially it's it's as easy to get that rating as it is to get your driver's license. So basically, a bunch of common sense rules: don't do this, don't do that. They did add a couple of uh, one or two things in there. I won't go through the whole the whole ruling, but we'll link to the PDF of it. Um, but one of the uh, one of the things that they added was in the before this thing became fully ratified, the the limit was 400 feet. You couldn't fly above 400 feet without you know jumping through hoops and getting special dispensation and all that. But that presented a problem when you wanted to fly your drone around things that were taller than 400 feet. Mm-hmm. So they changed the law. So now that if you're you can fly over things that are 400 feet if necessary and if you're on top of something that's 400 feet above the ground you can fly 400 feet above that so uh yeah so they they yeah i think they they're i'm 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 proud of this i'm happy that they cuz they i was worried last year that this would go in the the complete opposite direction and and oppress an entire industry which would have opened up an entire underground industry you know Mm-hmm. war on drugs yeah. you know <laughs> like and and it just would have been bad right so this this they're they're being really smart and methodical and you know for the most part i feel like they're they're being relatively open-minded about this new drone industry and what it can do and opening up the the rules or or allowing this commercial flight it's not you know we're photographers so we tend to see things through the photographer's lens right but i think the commercial flight opens up all kinds of avenues for agriculture, search and rescue operations, delivery, as we saw rumors mm-hmm. of that from Amazon, et cetera, um, policing, you know, all kinds of things that are that are that this opens up even even, you know, I would I, I could in the future. This is me putting on my future hat. I could see in the future these services that do like security offering you know you, you can hire a security guard to watch your complex mm-hmm. or your business or whatever during hour to hour what if you did that remotely now why do you have to have people there you can have drone towers there with a centralized station where they say okay it's time to do our walk around <laughs> and hit a button and they do a fly around you know and look at the place and you know everybody's happy if something's something anomalous is happening you know call call the real police or yeah whatever. Or just like like how security guards do, they'll just put a little gun attached to the bottom of the camera. <laughs> Freeze! <laughs> a little Barney Fife gun. Yeah. You can chase them with pepper spray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> kind of like those. those but yeah. you know, with this, with great power comes great responsibility, and I'm sure you know over the years we're going to start seeing 
stories of crazy stuff going down with drones because, you know, humans are involved. And whenever humans are involved, things tend to go... The we, humans can do really amazing things, Sistine Chapel, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, all this stuff. But we can also do really stupid things. So, mm-hmm. you know, expect a double-edged sword to be swiping through this industry. Jose, what do you think about this? Is it, now that this ruling is out there, are you going to go buy your drone and start? Oh shooting God, for yeah. I just, I always knew it was one of those things. I have a lot of expensive, very expensive habits. <laughs> and let's see, cycling. <laughs> Nice firearms, uh, photography. You know what I mean? Like I would just, I looked at drones and I was like, no, that's going to be another Pandora's box and just drain my bank account. So I, I stayed away up until now. But like you had said, I was, I have so many friends, um, you know, like Colin and some of the people who, who are so big into this space that I was always interested in seeing how it would play out because I had the same fears you did. You know, I was thinking to myself, oh man, here comes big brother putting down all these crazy loopholes. You got to jump through that don't make any sense just to make some money and be able to, you know, crack down on people. And, and I thought that's the way it was going. But like you mentioned, and with this update, this is huge because now they're realizing, Hey, listen, we could probably spur a lot of growth money and other things out of playing nice instead of playing dictator. And, uh, it's yeah, an industry. And, and it's going to be industry. pretty pretty neat to watch. I didn't. Uh, part of my hesitation towards jumping into the drone space was I, I didn't feel like I wanted yet another subscription, right? Because I feel like my phone, oh, you know, owning an iPhone or these high tech smartphones, it's like a subscription. You're going to upgrade it, you know. <laughs> so you get caught on that gravy train. My computers. They all need to be upgraded from time to time. That's another subscription. My cameras need mm-hmm. to be upgraded from time. And I'm, now I'm going to add another piece of high-tech gear, the drones that need to be upgraded, or I'm going to be lusting after the next thing like I'm lusting after the Phantom 4 now, even though I had the Phantom 3 and I'm, I had it less than a year. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, I knew it was going to happen. I know me. I know my limitations. I don't know. Brian, Brian what about you? I mean, you're the, you're the working wedding photographer that you when you make decisions to purchase things for your business it's on a spreadsheet and you have to have a conversation with your cpa i'm sure <laughs> of course <Are> yes. <laughs> aka my wife yeah aka your wife <laughs> oh double whammy yeah. oh. <laughs> it's like financially it makes sense but no i'm gonna right, say no right. <laughs> <laughs> why because i said so Shit. Yeah, i can't exactly. argue that logic <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. Are I, you going to be adding one? You think? No, I mean, so, so, so for me, no. Um, I, I, th- I think, it, I think it's like super interesting. I mean, obviously, uh, the the rules are a bit different in Canada and stuff. I think, I think we're a little bit more lenient actually right now with it, um, with with what you can do with it. I, I think it's cool. I think, I think it's one of those things. Like, I think on the surface it seems really cool, right? Like people like it. They want to get into it. They want to try it. It kind of reminds me of what we went through not long ago, maybe maybe seven, six or seven years ago, with uh, with video for photographers, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. photographers have always been still um, still artists, right? And then cameras came out with the ability to make video, so the tool was there, right? The 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 actual thing to make the art was there, and we flocked to it, thinking like, oh, now the tool is so easy, we can do that. But but like we're the first ones to say. If you don't have the skill set, a DSLR is not going to make a great picture for you, right? Yeah. But then we're the first ones to jump into making video just because the camera could make it. And and I saw so many photographers, hey, myself included, I tried doing wedding videos for two years. Uh, 
it is it is hard. It is really, really hard. It's a totally different skill set than what I already have. And it's not to say that I couldn't learn it, that I couldn't do it, that I couldn't be great at it, but you've got to decide what do you want to do? Like where do you focus your time and energy and attention? And just because the tool is there doesn't mean your ability to follow through and create a great piece of art is also going to be there with it. It involves a skill set. And I think, and again, I have zero experience with drone. So I, I say all this with with a very large grain of salt, but mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. it's I, I have yeah. to imagine yeah. this time next year you're going to be flying your yeah, Inspire. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I have to imagine. I have to imagine though that that there is a skill set with with that as an art form, like in, in terms of what you're going to do with it. What's the follow through? How do you do it? How do you fly it? Stabilization. I mean, like all those things. Like that's and, the thing, and, though. It's not that. I mean, I waited as long as I did, and I'm happy I did because it was they were harder to fly before I got mine. And the Phantom Three, you can learn to fly that thing literally in about five ten minutes, and you're no, good. No, and, no, yeah, but that's, and I'm not that's, saying that's, you're not, not going to be flying drone racing and doing that, all that stuff. That's, that's, but that's, to have that's the world's the exact tallest point, tripod, right, you know, right. it's basically the world's tallest tripod, right? You know. But so, so, so. I guess. That's the exact point that that I guess maybe I'm I'm thinking of is yeah like doing the thing is easy like making video with a DSLR is super super easy but making mm-hmm. something that actually is useful and that people will enjoy and that has a finished a finished thing like a finished piece of art what is yeah. that like with drone photography like yeah making one great picture over top of a vineyard super cool what does that mean for me and for my business? I guess for me, I look at things yeah. from like a from from a business perspective, but also from like a, a finished perspective, right? Like for, again, for me, albums, everything's about albums. So if you're going to get into drone photography, what am I doing with that? That's actually going to be that finished piece. I feel like I've seen some incredible, incredible. Like I'm in I'm in Niagara, right? So I've seen some amazing drone footage of, of the falls, but yeah. but yeah. to piece together that beautiful piece of art. It was more than just knowing how to drive the drone. Yeah, it was the process it from of a, storytelling. I, th- I think of it when I think of commercial drone flight, and in, in a lot of ways, it comes back to wedding photography, specifically because I see wedding photography as one of those really hot kind of. Um, you know, there's a ton of competition, mm. and and there's a ton of. You guys always have to be innovative in your. You got to be obviously skilled, but mm-hmm. you got to be good at business. You got to be good at marketing. You got to be good at networking, client photographer mm-hmm. relations and you got to shoot the thing and you got to you know there's always that pressure to differentiate yourself from the guy down the street who's charging $700 less than you are yep. why should they come to you so i was looking at drones as probably a way to do that where you could say yeah joe bob down the street he'll shoot you you know he'll do your your engagement shoot like this but i'm going to put you on the ed- edge of niagara falls and <laughs> shoot you from over the falls, back with the falls in the foreground, and you and the bride on the edge, you know, of the falls there. You know, you can, you can do that kind of stuff instead of just, you know, just being... And even yeah. here, like in San Francisco, I've complained about, like, you know, we've got the Golden Gate Bridge and all these, these things that are really awesome to see, but depressing for me from a, from a photographer standpoint, because I see them, I'm like, there's no possible way I could shoot something different than, than you know, probably hasn't been done before, but... With a drone, I feel like the bubble has gotten bigger, and I can do different things from different angles that were impossible for me to get before, like over the bay, shooting back on the bridge or above it, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, uh, I, I, and, and I, guess, I guess that's where I'm just looking at, like, like right now, today, 
does it have the cool factor? Like it totally does, right? It's got the cool mm-hmm. factor. But different is only different until different isn't different. You know what I'm saying? Like as soon as it becomes the norm. That's no- prophetic that's, right, right there, man. That's, that's a <laughs> right? snake it's, eating it's, its tail. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, like right now it's cool because it's different and, it's, and it stands out. But as soon as this yeah. becomes the norm, it's like the, the fact that it stands out no longer makes it stand out because everyone's doing it. Um, so I guess that's where it's like if you're doing it just – and again, this is just my perspective from a wedding photographer. If you're doing it just for the cool perspective – then it's it's going to be cool in the short term, but you've got to like what's next up your sleeve. I think of it almost similar to the whole tilt shift movement that we had. Like what was that? Maybe maybe seven or eight years ago. Like mm-hmm. photographers just like they started using tilt shift lenses to make some really really like interesting portrait and wedding work. Super super cool. It stood out. People were loving it. Consumers were saying like I don't know what that is, but what's that look? It's so different. I love it. Photographers that were doing it were making a killing doing it until everyone started doing it, then it was sort of like it wasn't different anymore and people stopped yeah. liking it because it became the norm again. It's like spot coloring. It's like anything that becomes a trend and then the trend comes and goes is no longer a trend anymore because everyone's doing it. So yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I like it for the cool factor. I just think you got you to gotta figure out what you're doing with it. That's all. I think a lot of people yeah. do it because it's cool. And, and I, I don't know. For me, that's not enough reason. But talk to me in a year when I have a drone. I know you're going to get one. This conversation reminds me of a conversation, many conversations I had with Valerie Jardin, Mm -hmm. who's the host of Street Focus. Um, She's like, I will never, ever get an iPhone. And then she got an iPhone. I will never, ever get an Apple Watch. Then she got an Apple Watch. (laughs) This is one in a series of conversations that ends in you getting a drone. So let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. I I think for me, it was always... um, I just I just looked at it as it wasn't my skill set, kind of like what Brian was saying, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. I when I got my D five and I finally could do video, I was like, ooh, right. And I tried to make yeah. these cool like short um, movies, if you will, clips at model shoots, and I'm like, hmm. oh, go ahead, move like this, move yep. like this. I'll put some music over. I'll do this. I'll do that. And then ask me how many of them I actually sat down and edited. When yeah. I got home, because You're I looked right. at it and I was like, yeah, yeah I'm like, this, no isn't my, yeah. this isn't me. Like, I open this up and yeah. I'm like, I just want to cry. And then I'm like, dang. Yep. And then it goes back to, like you said, what's your core focus? And for me, it was hitting up my videographer friends and saying, I will throw you some money. Hmm. Can you edit these like 10 shoots I took videos on now almost, Christ, you know, three or four years ago? And, you know, and make me something right. pretty neat. Because that was the same thing. I looked at drones. The the still photography is amazing, but I always looked at them as a, a videographer thing. Like like you said, yes. to me yep. it was like I, I have buddies who have them, and yes, you can get a great still image, like you said, of a, of a winery. You know, I did a shoot recently at a winery for um for the winery as a venue, and it was the same thing. My buddy came. He was a videographer. He brought the drone up, got a great shot of the whole vineyard. Everyone was happy. And imagine that you know, in an album overlaid across two pages saying, here's where they got married and play yeah. where's Waldo and find him right. in that photo. <laughs> right. And, mm-hmm. and that's amazing. Yeah. But again, then it gets down to, okay, when am I going to operate that thing during the day when I'm supposed to be taking photos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of it, and we're obviously this story was about around the commercialization of drones. 
some things you do just because you're a geek and it's fun, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. And it happens. <laughs> I mean, because this, I mean, drones hit on all those nerve endings, right? Because it's it's fun, it's geeky, it's you know, you're flying, you're taking pictures and video, and it's wireless, and there's Wi-Fi being transmitted back, and you know, you're on the cutting edge because it's not even legal yet. You know, there's all this stuff that makes it kind of irresistible from a geeky standpoint when you even when you take the money. You take the money out of it, but you know, even was thinking. So you know, I I've been mentioning on the show a couple times that I, later this year, November, I'm taking I'm doing a workshop out in Vietnam, and last night I'm online doing exhaustive research on the the law in Vietnam around flying drones. You know, because I want to I want to maximize my chances of bringing it back home with me. <laughs> you know, and myself coming say, home. So. I don't think the drone <laughs> is the worst of your problems. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah. apparently drones are all over Vietnam. You know, people are flying them, and you just have to get you know you know a little bit of permission here and there, and you're you're good to go. But my thing was, I wanted to fly it. There's a there's this area called Ha Long Bay, which is this beautiful bay with these limestone structures that are shooting almost vertically up out of the water. You know, covered in greenery. It's just beautiful. We were there last year, and we were out there on a boat, and I'm thinking, this is great, but Again, I had that whole sense of I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do a, a shot that hasn't been done before. You know how it just comes out touristy. So this time I'm bringing the drone and I'm going up above Halong Bay and I'm gonna shoot down and you know weird angles from the drone from the air and then I'll bring it back and land it on the boat if I'm lucky. So that's you know and I'm gonna be training people how to do that as well while we're out on the boat. So that's that's an example of doing stuff that. You know that wouldn't have been possible. Like, la- oops, like last year was even possible to do something like that. This year I can do it. You know because I have the drone and I feel like I have the skills to at least land safely and have my passengers be safe. You know, <laughs> so so I don't know. But yeah, I think I think a lot of that is just rationalizing my purchase and wanting to be a geek. You know, because we're we're you know we're seeing a pattern here. I think. Well, photographer, it's a photographer thing, you know? Something like this, you buy it, and you're like, okay, how can I work it into my big game? Right, right, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, Brian, Brian is the adult right. of the crew. Right, Brian yeah. will be like, well, you know, I have a need in my business, and now I need to yeah. I need right. the equipment buy to do that. Justify need, so. midway and after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I have this, Brian, Brian, in maturity, you're like ten years older than me. I think. <laughs> no, you know it's funny because I, I, I did it right. Like I was there. Like I had the um, the Nikon. What was it? Um, the D90, whatever it was the first camera that had video in it. I actually had it before the 5D. Yeah, uh, yeah. the 5D Mark II there or whatever the one that Canon had. And and I, I was like, oh, this has video. Cool, let's do it. Right. Like I, I literally emailed all of my couples for that year. Said, here's what I want to offer. It's dirt cheap. We want to test it out. We want to do this. I bought stabilizers. I bought all these things. I bought the mics. I bought the recorders. I did it because I was excited by it. But then I quickly realized uh, that's not really my skill set. I'm not really good at doing that. You know. And it's like yeah. I've got to I've got to choose. It's like just because I can do it doesn't mean that I should yeah. do it. And I guess I just learned that after after trying it for a couple of years and spending way more time than I want to admit behind the computer trying to edit together a highlight film, realizing I have no idea what the heck I'm doing editing video, you know? So I guess I just realized it. I tried that, and I was like, okay, i got to be a bit more selective about what I'm doing here and just focus my skill set on what I'm good at doing. It's like uh, it's you, you, 
your if I can do it, should I do it? Right. Or just because I can do it, should I be doing that? Is yeah. uh, reminding me of a quote from Jurassic Park. That's what I think Jeff Goldblum said that in Jurassic Park one. Just because you can create dinosaurs doesn't necessarily mean you should create <laughs> <See>? dinosaurs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this could end very badly, and it did. As we, as we all know, with the horrible second, third, as, and probably fourth movie. Oh, good grief. Yeah, they just they just went downhill after that. All right, in related news to this story, this was just I just saw this today. <laughs> you guys saw this in the, this 65-year-old rural northern Virginian woman it took her shotgun and blew a drone out of the sky that had been flying over her property. Nice. <laughs> so, and she she quote blasted it to smithereens. <laughs> so we'll, we'll link to that article. Apparently, she lives next to next door to a celebrity. And uh, she thought paparazzi had been, you know, illegally flying around trying to get shots or whatever. So she uh, she was out. And it said the story is classic. You got to read the story. She had come home after church, nice, and was cleaning her nice. shotgun. That's Virginia, folks. <laughs> Which yeah. that sentence, that sentence right there is is kind of a contradiction. So she was coming home after church, cleaning her shotgun, and some dudes in a fancy car were flying a drone over yonder, and it came over her property, and she shot it, and <laughs> she got it with one shot with a shotgun, which is which is kind of good. good you know? that's, that's some Annie Oakley action there, and then she. Uh, then she said it fell onto her tractor and damaged her tractor. So she was upset about that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. How big is this drone? That's like, that's like shooting somebody for trespassing on your property and then, uh, and then complaining that they bled all right. over the place. Yeah. <laughs> I always wondered yeah. when, when you hear stories like that. It's not the first one, right? People shooting stuff on the sky. My first question always yeah. was, where did you live? Like, and not in the sense of like, yeah. um, you know, oh, that happens a lot. But it's like, like you just said, my first question was going to be, why do people think they're interesting enough that, or not interesting enough that you find this hovering camera on your property and you're going, is it the FBI? Is it the NSA? I don't give a I'm shooting out of the sky, right? But for her, I kind of get it because imagine if you live next to someone and you have people in your trees all the time trying to get pictures of said neighbor, it'd get old. And if I sat there and go, I can shoot yeah. this, not actually kill someone on my property, eh, I'll do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I hear people doing yeah. it all the time, and I'm like, yeah. like you said, maybe it was a commercialization of it. Maybe the people in the rural part of the country were surveying land with a drone, and they happened to be on some guy's property. I don't know. But part of me was like, mm. what are you filming that you're on some stranger's property and you're not even really – Filming them. That's in that mind. I always thought that was weird. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it could have been guys just passing by and like, "Hey, dude, let's let's get out and fly the drone," and they had no idea where they were, <laughs> and they're just yeah, flying around. Guys. And like, I can imagine looking at that, looking at the screen <laughs> is like, um, yeah, it's down. <laughs> is that a shotgun? Oh my god! But her hat and outfit are adorable. Break left. Yeah. Break left, Maverick. Break Evasive left. maneuvers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. See, like I said, it's going to get interesting over the next couple of years with this kind of stuff happening. And as drones get more and more sophisticated and bigger mm-hmm. and cheaper, and you know, like the industry is about to explode now, especially yeah. with this new legislation in the United States, it's going to get interesting and more fun. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, you guys are going to share your picks of the week with the Twip Army. 
Doug Kay, the host of TWIP's All About the Gear show and an award-winning street photographer, is heading back to Cuba. Doug's workshops are limited to 10 participants and everything is included. That includes airfare from Miami, your Cuban entry visa and exit fee, meals, hotel, activities, and even tips, all at an extremely affordable price. November is completely sold out, but there are a few slots open in January and March. So head over to DougK.com workshops and use the code TWIP100 to get $100 off the workshop fee. That's DougK.com workshops and use the code TWIP100. All right, let's jump into our Picks of the Week segment. Remember, you guys can pick anything to recommend to the TWIP Army as long as it is somehow related to photography. Jose Rosado, I'm going to let you go first. What is your pick? So my pick isn't anything groundbreakingly new, but I know uh, I'm trying to go with Brian here on the whole wedding thing, uh, is a (laughs) pixie set. So for some people, um, maybe they use, and this is, you know, smug mug or, or some other gallery service um but i've i've found that pixie set and i found it through wedding photographer friends um was the best most affordable easy to use and amazingly beautiful uh way of sharing uh proofs with clients and that not necessarily just for wedding clients because obviously that's a big draw for them but just anyone you know because i started thinking about years ago what I found was what I thought was a, a good experience was, okay, here we are. They loved the pre-production meeting. They hired me. They loved me during the shoot. They loved the images, but then I'm sending them like a Dropbox link. And I'm like, this is, I'm, I'm not following through on the whole experience thing. And, um, when I came across this, I was like, it's perfect. I mean, it gives you really sweet, nicely formatted emails, um, that gets out with your branding on them and it's just, you know, really easy. You know, that's the big thing. And Brian can attest that when you do all this stuff, ease of use and, and, and if it can be implemented in your workflow very easily and kind of run um, very quickly, that's what you want. So that's all the things I found in that. Well, I'd like to piggyback on that pick because there's, there's another service that I think is awesome as well. I'm going to bring it up on the screen here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What's this called, I was Brian? Those coming. I've heard. I've heard of this company. I've heard of this. That's, they look. They look really innovative. Wow. <laughs> they do. Look at all those celebrities that are using it. Look. Look at that. So this is Sprouting Photographer at SproutingPhotographer.com. Brian, this is this is your quote here from your tagline: the first all-in-one system for photographers, studio management, online galleries, digital fulfillment, album proofing, in-person sales. <laughs> Does it come, Does with, it come people? with people? You got to pay and for much it, man. More That's in the top all... tier. You get your own. <laughs> Is that even legal? <laughs> so give us, give us what you know. Since we talked about Pixie Set, which is you know kind of a smaller or a different kind of competitor yeah. to you. Yeah, tell totally. us, tell us, tell us what you do. Yeah, no. So I mean, Pixie Set is amazing. It really, really is a great service. Like for photographers that just want galleries, they are without question like top top of the ranking so i i i back that and i have no issue no issue with that at all um so yeah i mean so sprout is is sprout studio is the software that i founded and am the ceo of and get to work at every day which is a lot of fun uh we basically we basically come in and take over the entire workflow uh, that a photographer needs or the software obviously helps them with that from studio management to online galleries, to digital fulfillment, to print ordering, to album proofing, to sales, to reporting, to bookkeeping, like 
all that stuff because the challenge that I found as a, as a working full-time wedding photographer now for 10 years is that I would have a gallery system, but then I'd also have my bookkeeping system and I'd also have my album proofing system and I'd also have my invoicing system and I'd also have a questionnaire system and I'd have a studio management system. I'd have all these things all over the place and it was just super complicated um, and it never really gave me a full picture of what was going on in my business and I had to waste a lot of time with all kinds of logins and links and my clients had a confusing experience because they had links from a whole bunch of different things and uh, it just wasn't a great experience in my opinion. Um, so Sprout Studio is what we built to basically come in and do all those things in one place. So clients can see their gallery, their album proof, they can download, they can get their contract, they can pay their bills, answer questions, um, book you, do whatever they want all in one place. So that's all for 50 bucks a month, all for 50 bucks a month. Now, is, oh, that's U.S. Ah, yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> we do have a Canadian option for because we are a Canadian company. So uh, our Canadian uh, customers get to pay in, in Canadian dollars, not forty nine dollars. But now uh, this is this is I mean, you're a wedding shooter. So yeah. is this this targeted specifically at wedding photographers? We, we targeted the, the wedding and portrait professional. Um, mm-hmm. sir, I mean, we have a lot of commercial photographers. We have a lot of editorial photographers that are using it. Um, but for the most part, wedding and portraits. Uh, galleries like we the in-person sales part of it that that you mentioned is like you can basically show your images on their walls so you can start to sell wall portraits and things oh. like that but you can do it through the convenience of an online gallery because photographers know that in-person sales thing works but so many of them say i don't have the time i don't have a studio i don't have a projector i just don't want to be a salesperson so they end up doing an online gallery, and we all know that when you do an online gallery, you get big old like by ten print sales at at most, right? So um, what we've done through that is basically married the process that we do in in person sales, but done it online, so you can still get wall portrait sales, but mm. through online galleries. You have to come on. You have to let me interview you so we can do like a walkthrough of yeah, Sprout Studio. Yeah, cool. I want to see. I want to see behind the. You know, I want to see what the UI looks like yeah. and, and, and the man that built it. Yeah, totally. You know, or directed the team. I directed it. I'm the it visionary. Was <laughs> yeah. I can't take all credit. Should I, should I list my developers now then? Is that, is that what I should be doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But cool, no, man. like, so, and, and again, like, t- like, totally, like, for photographers, like, we, we have a lot of photographers that, that, you know, they come and they try us and they're like, honestly, we don't want the studio management, we don't want all those things. And, and Pixie sets the first one we recommend, like they're a great gallery system. So I definitely like back up that pick of the week without question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm using Pixie set as well. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's awesome. It's clean. Yep. It's easy. And you know, it gets out of the way and yep. it lets me just, you know, if I go out and do like a, a, a portrait shooter or a commercial shooter, whatever the gallery option, yep. it's done. It's you know, awesome. Here you go. It looks great on the iPad. looks great on the desktop. looks great on the phone. Totally. It's perfect. Yeah. So, path of least resistance, I say. Yep, there we go. Mm-hmm. That make it easier for our customers, right? Awesome, cool. All right, man. So, Brian, it's your turn. Um, what's your pick of the week? Yeah, cool. Uh, so, my pick of the week, I'll show it to the camera. The Fuji X Pro Two and uh, the twenty three mil one four lens. Um, pick of the week. I, I, it's my pick of the week because I just got back from five days up at the cottage, and this is all I had with me the whole time. Uh, super lightweight, super you know portable. Uh, it takes great pictures. It's it's a perfect like just run around camera and and lens combo. You're gonna get amazing photos out of it. But at the same time, it's lightweight. I don't feel like I'm a photographer out there on the boat with like a big DSLR and a big lens creeping out of the sandbar with my kids and stuff. You know, so I can just kind of 
I can be a dad. I can be in the moment. I can, but I can still take great pictures. So uh, I, I love my Fuji stuff. I use it professionally. Like I use my Fuji for weddings, for portraits, for boudoir, for all that stuff. Um, but it's that lens, that lens and that camera combo is just perfect for, for just a, a getaway, vacation, for walking around, for going to the park with your kids, things like that. It's like a it's a, a street photographer. Yeah, it's like, is that perfect, a, is it, perfect it's for that? Perfect, yeah. Twenty four. Yeah. What was the focal length of that lens? That's a twenty three mil. So it's on a it's on a one five crop body. It's an APS C sensor. I was gonna say that's so what I was thinking. Like thirty five with that. Which, uh, I love which, my thirty five on my full yeah. frame stuff because yeah. it's like perfect. You know, yeah. you can use it for everything. It's perfect. So yeah, that would be perfect. what about a seventeen about a seventeen on micro four thirds. Then, right? Yep. Yeah, and the um the the Fuji X Pro two um has a new um a new uh, black and white film preset. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's phenomenal. It's called Acros. Um, and, and it like, it, it creates a very film, like, like the film look is hot right now. Right. And it creates a film like look um, through the camera, but it doesn't just do it by desaturating everything. It actually processes the image. Every image you take, it processes it. So the black and whites, the JPEGs out of the camera are unbelievable and I can't match it through processing like through Lightroom and all that I cannot get it because it does it in a way that it processes it actually adds grain to certain tonal ranges it That's removes cool. it from others it does it's an amazing look um, and it's just got like an algorithm yeah for it does developer yep. fixer and stop bath yeah and it's like doing this like little yeah thing it's, it's it's seriously amazing and you can't even get it on the other on the other Fuji cameras because you need the processor in this one to do it so to shoot black and white in camera to see it as you're making it in black and white is just it's it's revolutionized like how I photograph because of the electronic viewfinder I love it. I've never, I've never done that. I've never, have you, Jose, have you done that? Cause I've never, I've never shot, you know, I, I, I will shoot raw and then process it later into black and white or whatever, mm. but I've never, even though my cameras can do that, I've never so shot. I do it. Yeah. I do white. it when I shoot weddings because really? I'll have it in raw. So technically speaking, what I'm seeing in the back of the LCD is just what, and it has that same treatment, right? And I'm going, cool, because in my mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. when I'm shooting certain things, I go, I want to get that emotive black and white kind of look and feel. And especially if I happen to show, you know, the, the, the groom or someone else a quick photo, they can already see like a nice edited, polished kind of preview. And then when I go home and I dump the raws, yes, when I upload in the Lightroom, it, all that goes away. But in my head, I go... You know that one photo? I already saw it in black and white. Now I'm going to process it that way because I knew it looked good on my camera when I took the photo. However, mm-hmm. um, when I'm not shooting actual work and I'm shooting personal stuff, yeah, I use it all the time. I'll just switch it back and forth. Uh, if I'm shooting in JPEG, mm-hmm. I'll shoot some stuff in black and white, flip it back. And on Nikon, on my D5, it had a really nice feature where the same thing. You could you could mess around with the contrast, the sharpness, the grain, and all of that to make it look like a really nice high punch yeah. um, black and white. But to be fair, we can't give credit to Nikon or Fuji. We have to give credit to the engineers and developers who actually did all the work. Nice, nice. See, now you guys are getting it. Good, good. Credit where credit's yeah. due. Yeah. <laughs> dig a little deeper. Nice. Dig a little deeper. Cool, man. That's awesome. So the uh, the Fuji X Pro Two yep. and a twenty three f one four lens yep. i love it i love it yeah my uh, the lens that i i think should be arriving any day now is um 
is a Lumix. I'm on Micro Four Thirds, yep. so this is a it's a Lumix forty two point five f one seven. I can't even do the and I can't even do the I math. What is that? Eighty five? Because it's it's like yeah, I'm trying to think. It's a that, ninety. That's it's around 90. eighty. Yeah, 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 or eighty five ish. Yep. Yeah, it's eighty five. So it's a portrait lens. Yep. You know, it's like got the gorgeous bokeh and all that, but it's like it's it's about this big, maybe a little oh, bit wow. bigger yeah, than like that. a little fifty. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's nice. That's my. This is a fifteen. This is a fifteen millimeter f one f one seven. So it's a fifteen. I got some. I got some wack, wacky numbers. Awesome. This is this is this is it next to my iPhone. Look at it. Look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's 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 amazing what what you can do now with mirrorless. I mean, it's uh yeah it's it's phenomenal. Panasonic's doing great things. Sony, Fuji. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good. It's a good time to be yep. a, a a pixel capturer. Cool. All right. So my pick, and I left it downstairs, so I can't show I'm it to you guys. Amateur hour. It is a holster, and I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Uh, <laughs> so I have, uh, so I have the Theta, the Ricoh Theta. You know, the little 360 degree camera, and I'm in love with that thing. I've been taking it around a lot, but the problem with it is that it you know, it comes with a little neoprene case. But that's it. It's like a it's like a sock <laughs> for it. <laughs> so you know, it's, a, it's kind of an un, it's it's a little camera and it's easy to drop and you know you can't really lay it down anywhere. So this is the perfect accessory for it. It's the it's a camera belt loop case that's made out of some kind of plastic cow type material. Uh, but you know, you stick. It's got inside of it. It's lined with microfiber. So you stick your camera in there, won't scratch the lens, and you put this thing on your belt, and you're good to go. If you're out and about taking, you know, doing 360 photos, you don't necessarily have to leave the camera. Like today, or before I got this, um, I would put the 360 camera in its sock and put that in my bag. And then when I'm ready to do a 360, I got to go find it out of the bag, take it out of its sock, boot it up, get it ready. With this way, I feel like, you know, I'll be able to shoot relatively quickly. And the thing was only like under $7 on Prime. And I ordered it yesterday. It's like free one day. I ordered it yesterday. It showed up today. <laughs> so, so it's like if you have one of these Thetas, which aren't cheap, you almost have to get this. So I would, I would definitely. By the way, suggest Big Brother's and, watching. And you actually grab one of these on Thursday. Amazon. Just FYI. <laughs> says it says it right there. You purchased oh, this I? item on Where August twenty fifth. I did. Google and Amazon. All of them know everything. I feel about like. Oh, you know what. You know what I ordered? I ordered yesterday. I ordered. There's a little lens cap that oh, a little plastic you. cap that goes on it. So you know, if if you want to keep it out, I ordered that too. That's what I ordered so, yesterday, and so that showed have, up today how's, too. How's your belt so, look? Is we're it both this, right. and then next to that is like a Nokia that you also have in a very similar kind of leather bound case as well, going full full dad mode. Do you wear it? <laughs> are you trying yeah, to say? You, are you trying yeah. to say I'm Batman? You with your, are you trying to say with your Batman? Teva, Teva sandals. <laughs> I this will. I'll have you know, angry millennial. This will be the first thing that I've ever put on my belt since two way pages. I'll date myself. Skyway two way pages. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I had it. Yes, the clamshell one. I knew the it. The clamshell Motorola. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Back when every awesome, rapper I had wish, it in I a video. I miss those days. I miss <laughs> those days. <laughs> oh, my God. I was a, was not cool enough to be a rapper, but I had one. Not that I had a whole lot of people to talk to, oh, man. but I had perfect. one. <laughs> great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I had one of those. I had it. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Cool, man. All right. So back to the show and away from embarrassing Frederick. <laughs> 
All right, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna close this show. Before before we close this off, Jose, what do you what do you have yeah, coming yeah, up? Yeah, I know yeah. you, you're working um, on a bunch so of cool today stuff. Today we actually announced a really cool partnership with uh, Resource Magazine for Creatives Against Oppression. So mm-hmm. uh, they're basically just trying to help us spread the word and spread awareness for mental health. Um, and you know, what we're doing with, uh, with the, the company, you know, creative expression, and we're gonna be doing a lot more with it. Some live events, um, mm-hmm. teaming up with some, some other nonprofits in the area around Baltimore and, and really trying to do some really cool stuff. Uh, as you guys know, when I did the hundredth episode of the show, I actually, we hit pause in the show, uh, for two reasons. One was obviously to do more stuff with, Greatest Against Oppression in the fall, but also to switch to a seasonal format. So now we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, tight, finite um, uh, seasons with specific topics, and those hopefully you know should be start mm-hmm. rolling out um, in the new year. Nice. So that's so. Let's see. Let me share that. So that's season. How many uh, how many shows in a 20. season are you rolling out with? So a lot less than one yeah yeah because because we're like okay this ends season one which is a hundred episodes but the reason why we did it was um i i kind of like that nice round number to to hit pause on and now when we reach out to people we tell them listen if you want to know everything about what we do with the show uh angry millennial 101 like a, like a class in college is 101 episodes where you can get a great digging deep mm-hmm. and get a great idea of what we do on the show and um and then because of that show and what we've been doing there, I'm also going to be writing uh, an ebook on on creating deep and meaningful interviews with EQ. So be on the lookout for that soon. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Dude, you are you are just not busy at all, are you? <laughs> <laughs> trying, man. Trying. Wait, so with EQ, what is EQ? So basically in a sense of it's kind of like emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of in a sense of being more self-aware and having more control of your own emotions. But in that, um, also realizing that you are more empathetic towards others. So what you can imagine is what we do with Anger Millennial is it's, I mean, we get, we get, in, we get in deep, man. Like people share stuff about, you know, loved ones passing away and, all these, you know, really, really significant life events. And it, it kind of struck me that that wouldn't be possible if, if I was just a kind of a surface kind of guy and didn't, um, wasn't able to make them comfortable enough to even share those kind of things. Cause half the time I was asking them questions that really weren't asking that direct, you know, like what's the biggest regret in your career. And that can Mm -hmm. be as surface as you want it to be, but I've noticed that the way we we structured the show and the way we structured the the, the how the show runs, um, that people were then comfortable enough and we got deep enough already that they were just they were opening up like crazy and um, and it was amazing. It was That's great cool. for some really awesome that. content. Good job, yeah. man. Thank you. Thanks for doing that. And thanks for being on the show again, man. Thanks of course, for, man. And, I love, and you I weren't love even that angry on. this time. There was no like. You you stayed David Banner the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you know what it is. I I I've recently become a softy. You know because of Brian, I'm walking up the you know stairwell and looking at printed photos and getting mushy. Our son just started middle school, so now I feel really old. And you know so 
I'm yeah. much more soft now. Wait, 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 wait till your son starts teasing you about having the iPhone when he's like using his like retinal phone in <laughs> 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, dad had a had an iPhone. He actually had to touch it. <laughs> I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. I was watching uh watching House of Cards on my on my uh eye contact lens. Exactly. In my mind. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks for coming up. Brian Brian Caparici, man, what do you have coming up? You're working on a ton of stuff as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We're having a having a blast. It's wedding wedding season. Well, it's wedding season. Again, there it is again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's wedding season. So we've got I've just from a from a photography standpoint, got weddings going on. Um, something, something I'm sort of like revolving my energies around right now. Uh, so sproutingphotographer.com, that's where everything I do lives, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of educating about the business of photography. I teach business of photography, write about it. We've got our podcast, we're on episode, uh, 258 right now. So we're, we're, uh, quite deep and having a lot of fun and, uh, and, and loving it. So that's, that's really great. But something that I'm, that I'm focusing a lot of my energy on in terms of, uh, like for education is this thing that I call, uh, I came up with a fancy name, Growth Performance Indicator Score. Um, so, so GPIS, ooh, similar to GPS. So, so the idea, the idea behind it is, uh, is in the business of photography and in, in wedding and portrait photographers achieving what, what they would determine to be success as a career, there are certain things that, that photographers do who succeed and certain things that some of those who aren't able to really quite get traction um, don't do, right? And so mm-hmm. this is my effort of helping photographers identify where they should spend their time to see the biggest growth in their business. A lot of photographers cool. will be like, hmm, should I do a bridal show? So we've created this calculator where they can go and answer a few questions and it will give them an indication of whether or not that will give them good growth. Um, and then they do that repeatedly for a number of things they're considering of pursuing. Um, and then it can kind of give them a bit of a scale to, to judge things on. So I recently actually taught this at a workshop and it was really interesting because it makes people think more objectively about where they want to put their time and energy um, and it makes them think more critically because photographers, as we've seen, are notorious for wanting to spend their time in areas where they want to spend their time as opposed to the areas where they should spend their time. And I'm all about helping photographers, wedding and portrait photographers, reach success in business because at the end of the day, I think there's nothing more fulfilling than being able to make a living doing what you love. So, nice. um, so that's, and this thing is accurate. I took it while you were talking. <laughs> oh, did you, <laughs> did you? And, buy a drone? <laughs> and apparently, no, <laughs> I asked, I asked it about podcasting and it said I should definitely, it's definitely worth pursuing immediately. So, okay. So, so there's this thing that I want you to think about called cognitive bias. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a mental yeah. placebo effect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you will answer the questions the way you want to. Um, yes. But yeah, so, so that's, that's, it's a totally free calculator. Frederick, obviously you just walk through it. Spreadingphotographer.com, yeah. click the calculator button there and you can walk through it yourself. But I'm, I'm putting a lot of energy into finding the way to talk about this with photographers because I want to help shortcut photographers to get success and to be able to make a living doing this thing that they love with our cameras. I've been fortunate for 10 years now to be able to buy a house, uh, have a family. My wife has been able to be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, we've, we've purchased all of our cars. I've been able to put food on our table with my camera. And I think yeah. there's that's just an amazing 
amazing thing that we can do, make a living doing what we love. And I want to help more photographers do that. That's why I do everything I do with photography and helping teach. So that's just sort of the next, the next phase I'm leveling up a little bit. So that's, uh, that's yeah, cool. That's that. and, we, and we talked about Sprout Studio yep. earlier, but you also have, like you mentioned, a podcast that you're yep. you're cranking on too. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so so the Sprouting Photographer podcast, it's all about the business of photography, um, specifically for wedding and portrait photographers mostly, but we do have some commercial topics on there as well. But we just get in there and we dig deep all about the business of photography. It's all about giving like actionable ideas and how-tos and and really helping photographers sort of uh, understand and demystify the complications of business because photographers, as I've learned, do not like business. You know, we get into this thing because we like the creativity, not because mm-hmm. we like the business. So for 258 episodes now, we have been helping dig deep to help photographers understand business. So we get like $60,000 a month. So we've got quite a big community of photographers that care about leveling up their business skills and obviously love to have any listeners here come join us because you're listening to a podcast. So you yeah. like podcasts. Clearly you like podcasting. <laughs> so, I only I only have one bone to pick with you about this podcast. Oh, I don't have Twip on there, do I? You have us right here, but you have our old oh, logo. Oh, the old logo. Okay, the, okay, okay. Oh, I'll get the new logo. You need the new logo. Right, yes, yes. You got it. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Sweet, thank yeah, you. Yeah, you guys are, both of you guys are crushing it and doing, doing cool stuff. Let's skate, Brian. I see some, see some great mutual faces like it. Jeremy Coward and Michael Anthony. I have to definitely yep. uh, check yep. it out. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Love that. Love that. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. And then, yeah, and like uh, the design of the site is very clean, very approachable. Very cool. Trying to make trying to make sprouting look. They're trying to make the business of photography as sexy as possible, (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) There you go. There you go. That should be your new tagline. Yeah, Yeah. business (laughs) is sexy. (laughs) Bringing bringing you can bring sexy (laughs) back. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't let it go, man. Go on. All right, all right, guys. We are at the end of another episode of this week in photo. Uh, Twip Army, please be sure to visit the new Twip School over at twipschool.com and check out all of our other shows on the network, including Twip Weddings, that you can go listen to Brian spout more knowledge on if you need him to do that, as well as Sprouting Photographer. Um, subscribe to his show over there as well, and also check out our YouTube channel. We've got all of, many of our shows also have YouTube components, so subscribe to Twip on YouTube. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.